0: Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, May 2nd, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend?
1: Tired. It's been a day that uh, kind of went wrong before I even set foot out my front door, because as I was about to do that, I checked my pockets, realized my mask wasn't in them. So I had to backtrack, find where it had fallen out of my pockets, which along with being in a new place and not quite knowing where the metro station was and it being a Sunday, meaning less trains are running, led to me very nearly being late for work had I not uh, run into a couple coworkers also at the metro station late and we split a cab. Then I got to work and found out my schedule's been changed to have like way more days, way more overtime, like be working some Fridays and Saturdays in the next couple weeks. And they will be all, I think, 12-hour shifts, plus got switched onto a role, which sucks more. Oh. <laughs> Damn, so it's bro. been a day.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. I don't, I don't even know where to begin there, but that's a... Uh that's not great. And hopefully you can find some, uh, reprieve here tonight in this next bit that we'll be
1: hanging out with. (laughs) Yeah. That's all the negativity I have to bring. We can, uh, shy away from that. I just had to get off my chest.
0: All right. All right. Sounds
1: good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right, man. I, uh, it's been a pretty boring, lazy weekend. I, uh, I got to see one of my friends who hadn't seen in a really long time, um, came by and and stood outside my apartment's on the ground floor. So he just stood outside and we chatted for a bit and I hadn't seen him in a while. So it was nice to talk with someone face to face. And um, yeah, hopefully you and I can get to that point in the the future, uh, maybe this summer. But uh, yeah, I've been chilling and just ready to gear myself up for the first day of work tomorrow for myself
1: okay wow so new things ahead for you yeah
0: it's gonna be fun it's a new adventure
1: right yeah didn't want to uh, dwell in too much time off eh
0: no and and i think that's good especially right now i otherwise i'd just be no, doing nothing all day so i gotta keep busy and uh yeah that's gonna occupy my days and the leaps and wraps and jays and everything else is gonna op- occupy my nights and uh that's kind of the other thing that I really did this weekend is I took in some sports and a uh, pretty successful weekend for Toronto teams, um, minus the Raptors, but <laughs> can't always have them all firing on all cylinders. And then that's, I guess, what we're going to talk about on the pod today. we got some hockey talk, uh, got some combat corner, an absolutely crazy knockout in UFC uh, last night that Max can break down for us and got some basketball, some baseball, and then uh, some NFL draft uh, final say on, on really just the first round um, and maybe a couple other things thrown in there. But yeah, pack show. And uh, yeah, without further ado, I would love to jump right in to talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are now on a roll, just plain and simple, five in a row, last four games have only given up one goal. Jack Campbell has looked steadier than ever. Uh, Dave Riddick getting a win in that time as well and uh, just continuing to build on momentum heading towards the playoffs. And, and you look now, um, the maximum amount of points that Edmonton could finish with this season is 76. The Leafs are currently at 71 uh, with seven games left. So it looks good. It looks really good for them to be sitting in that number one seed.
1: I'll add one more stat i think they've got 18 straight uh, period goals like they've scored in 18 straight periods i heard 15 the other night watching a couple games ago and i checked the last canucks game and they'd scored each period so if you've got to put it all together at some point this is certainly the best time for a winning streak
0: yes definitely and in the team all four lines have looked really solid there's not a lot of complaints that you could really throw out there right now the fourth line especially has turned it on as of late adam brooks is a revelation just another guy it seems like each year we had uh trevor moore and then you got a guy i don't know like uh, sashnikov way back he just always like gonna have those fourth line guys that step up and this year it's adam brooks and i've loved what i've seen and Uh, Great photo last night of him in between Spezza and Thornton sitting on the bench and it looked like he was getting squeezed out a bit by the vets but uh, he's been awesome on that line. Uh, Third line's been buzzing and Hyman's not even back yet. Riley Nash has yet to play uh, with the Leafs and then Galchenyuk getting another goal has uh, just rewarded the play right. Like I said he needs to produce at some point and that was big for him last night and then of course like, what can you say about Austin Matthews? The kid is ridiculous. He's at 38 goals now on the season, climbing into the top 10 all-time of uh, play, of goals scored in a season 56 games or less. So he is uh, having a remarkable season and two more last night to add to his collection. And um, if we are deprived of a Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid, round of playoff hockey, then I will be very upset.
1: (laughs) I remember saying at the start of this season, looking back, like one of the biggest things for the Tampa Bay Lightning when they won the cup was just having one line that was almost guaranteed to get you a goal every game. And if you remember the Leaf series against Columbus in like desperation crunch time, when uh, we were really getting like held down, choked out, and just not getting anything going offensively. Keefe went to Tavares Matthews Marner in hopes, and they produced a lot of scoring chances and a couple goals in that time. And I remember feeling like, man, if you just let these three guys stick together and like have a season to develop chemistry, like maybe we could have that same thing as Tampa Bay. But we've kind of managed to get that without having Tavares on the line and being able to spread the scoring. I mean, Yeah, Austin Matthews alone seems just to score a goal every game, like Mitch Marner more than makes up for the difference, that's that's what you're gonna need as like you mentioned, McDavid, same thing, that line that's guaranteed to score and that's pretty well what that line has been most of the season and seems poised to be in the playoffs, not to mention Tavares and Nylander are doing more than enough at the moment as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really fun and exciting time to be clicking. Uh, at this point, you're just looking to see them pick up a couple more points, clinch that first seed, and then start to rest guys, make sure no one's getting unnecessarily banged up before the playoffs. If they have clinched the one seed by the time we reach that last game of the season against the Jets, no one should be playing in that game because you know the Jets are looking to take a bite out of them. Um, I guess
1: there's an art. I remember uh, hearing people talk about the shortened season saying like when you're rolling, just like you love having like this condensed schedule and just getting out there again and again and keeping the flow going. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like I'm not saying Matthews needs to be putting 25 minutes in, but like you want, you want it to keep going. You want, you don't want them cold going into game one. So I'm not sure too sure about it.
0: It's such a, a rest versus rust argument, right? Because obviously you want to keep the momentum going, but all it takes is one stray puck or stick or turn, right? And then your season could get cooked. And uh, that is just what I start to think about now as we head down the final stretch.
1: Yeah, yeah, the probability is always there. <laughs> For sure, like I love he get, giving the maintenance games. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, in the calendar is the right time to do that cuz then they do get those couple last games in to avoid the rust but they're going in without any micro tears grade 1 strains stuff that they'll play through but like could get aggravated and turn worse come playoff time so yeah yeah so they've got 3 games left against Montreal
0: uh 3 games left against Ottawa I believe and then that last game of the season against Winnipeg Uh, to wrap things up. So those Ottawa games, especially, you would be looking for them to have a couple maintenance days. Mm -hmm. Although, always a circus show when the Sens play the Leafs in the last couple of years. So you never know. But it's going to really come down to the wire, and, and it's not exactly sure who will play now in this first round because as it stands, the Montreal Canadiens are only two points back of the Winnipeg Jets for the third spot in the North Division. The Jets have lost six in a row, their most recent to the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, the Leafs really now have a chance to figure out who they want to play in the first round and and can have a major stake in what the outcome of that fourth seed is uh, if they beat Montreal a bunch of times. then that's most likely their first round opponent. But if um, they're resting guys and Montreal picks up a couple points, they could actually be playing the Jets in the first round. So uh, that is kind of the final storyline in this North Division that you're looking at with intrigue about what the matchups are going to look like. We thought they were set just as soon as 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 last podcast ago, uh, but things are still changing, and and we don't know what the picture is exactly yet. And and uh, it's fascinating to see how a team can quickly fall. they were contending for that first spot in the division and could fall all the way down to four and just in a real slump, the Winnipeg Jets are.
1: Yeah. I think they have a game against Ottawa tomorrow, which I I don't think they've had the Senator's voodoo that um, the Leafs and Flames have experienced this season. So good as a chance as you can ask for, but I don't know. It, we do that emotional hedging, right? I, the Winnipeg Jets have looked so good for most of the season that I, I do think they'll pull it together and I don't want to play them in the first round, so I'm hoping they pull it together and we drop the Canadians enough to make them look more at the Flames than the Jets. Definitely.
0: All right. Before we end the hockey segment, uh, we have our obligatory Connor McDavid 100-point progress check uh he now has seven games remaining left in the season with three points um, against Calgary in their most recent game he now sits at 87 so 13 points in seven games that's under two points per game totally within reach for this guy and um not standings wise but this is probably the number one thing you're looking at down the stretch uh in the north division and, and across the NHL and it's crazy that he is not as big of a star as Andrew Ferrance's, uh, according to NHL on TNT. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, yeah. I beg to
1: differ because I don't know who Andrew Ference is, but... What?
0: The guy on, the defenseman on the Bruins who scored a goal and gave the crowd the middle fingers. He was a captain of the Edmonton Oilers long time ago. Okay, okay. But on NHL on TNT, the graphic that was put up was alexander ovechkin and beside him the captain of the edmonton oilers and it was a picture of andrew Ference. so whoever put the graphic together was told to put up the captain of the edmonton oilers and grab the wrong guy <laughs> incredible incredible <Yeah>. stuff my <laughs> I man got hanged yeah <laughs> unbelievable and there was also the clip of uh Shaq trying to name nhl franchises he actually did end up getting three which was impressive but Um, it just shows how much smaller hockey is in the States and um, hopefully ESPN and TNT can do some cool stuff and and really bring it back to prominence and help it gain a ton of growth in the States over the next couple of years. Cause that's a big deal. Um, And that was kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about. Cause we, we missed about, we missed out on it on Friday when it
1: was really uh, being buzzed about. Yeah. I, what, more of a superstar and ambassador for the sport can you ask for than Connor mcdavid i mean if if they have to look american austin matthews is also not a bad they've just the level of play in all sports is always progressing and elevating and it's just such a fantastic time to be a hockey fan like the stuff these guys do and try one of my like favorite Austin Matthews moments of the whole season came I think in I don't know if it was three on three it might I think it was three on three where it, like it was just defensive play but he was like skating inverted his skates and like caught the puck that was would have gone by him for a breakaway pass like on his thigh and like caught it carried in and set up a goal that way um I just <laughs> so many great players right now
0: yeah, the NHL is in good hands for NHL fans, but I think I would like a little bit more personality out of these guys if we're going to help the game grow in the States and around the world. If you just look at the NBA, right? Like you're LeBron, uh, you're Giannis, Luca, Harden, Steph, Curry, especially that's a big one. And then in the NFL, you've got Mahomes, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, guys with big personalities that are very prevalent in social media and hockey guys that's their thing, right? You keep to yourself, you go about your day, you grab, you pick up the lunch pail and you go to work. And uh, I just think Connor has the potential to just be like l- league changing in the like skill and star status that he can achieve. I just need a little bit more personality out of him and I don't know if we'll get there. So it might be, it might have to be someone like line a or or artemi Panarin the guys who give the funny interviews who, Uh, maybe go a little bit more viral to take control there.
1: (laughs) As long as it's not a Kachuk. Oh,
0: man. (laughs) Again, guys that you hate because they're not on your team, but those guys are funny, man. (laughs) They're good
1: kids.
0: (laughs) All right. That's it for Talking Hockey. We'll take a quick break, and we will come back for some Combat Corner. And we're back for some Combat Corner um i have no idea what this dude's hair looked like um that is the only highlight that i caught it looked like a bop it um but you gave a great preview going into the weekend and i guess you're going to talk about this main event now what a finish and uh yeah i'll throw it over to you max break us through uh ufc on the weekend
1: what a finish what a fight a uh, slight confession i caught the fight about half an hour ago but I did catch the finish last night uh, I I passed out watching the fights last night uh, after the first round of the Kutaleba fight and like came to saw Yuri on top of Reyes on the ground and thought that's weird I didn't think of this guy as a grappler watched him uh, just really awkwardly scramble on top of Reyes like it wasn't really technique it wasn't elegant it wasn't slick it was just determined and kind of all over the place but he managed to get to like side control said like fuck position fuck control time i'm just gonna posture up and throw and he did that and the downside of doing that is it gives the space and room for the guy to get up the upside is you have the leverage to land heavy. Both things kind of happened at once, with Reyes scrambling up. As Yuri landed a couple shots, like in the transition, the man has fantastic accuracy and shot selection, I'll get to that later. But then you just stayed on him, kept hitting him, he was, Reyes was hurt, staggers to the fence, and what fantastic s- shot selection from the bop it. I mean, like uppercut it, fake it, do a little dance it, spinning elbow it, (laughs) and man, so that, (laughs) I saw that and was just like, wow, they're gonna talk about that a lot for a while, I think, and promptly went to sleep. Uh, I woke up and went to work. I did catch the rest of the fight before hopping on this podcast and the whole fight, it looked to me like Pro Prohaska was in control and dominating. I, the man, the pressure he puts forth with his hands basically at his waist is so entertaining to watch. Just such high like fight value. Can't miss television because that, at any given time, you feel like he's either going to land or get landed on. But somehow he's almost never getting landed on because, like, his timing is so great. The options having his hands so li- go, having his hands so low give him are just fantastic. I mean, he threw these crazy uppercuts several times that like started from so far down, and like the entry point I think was just so much lower and more straight than people are used to defending that it caught Reyes awkwardly. But just like you could see him picking the path at times when Reyes was shelling to avoid hooks. It also lets him fake. So cool, because all he has his hands are so low, all he has to do is like, like flick them up as if he's going to do one of those uppercuts or loopy shots, and then he'll throw a kick or something. Um, and the defense is there, like. The only times he really got tagged was when he was throwing and he almost always landed first or landed harder, which meant the shots that hit him, I think just aren't, you can't throw that hard when you're getting punched in the face most of the time. So I I was surprised at how close the stats were in the first round. I mean, I think every strike gets counted as a significant strike, but that first round, like not just the finish, but that first round was domination as well. He hurt Reyes several times. I think the right reason Reyes went out so cold and so flat was just because of how hurt he already was, not just from the ground and pound, but acclimation over that. And he didn't even look tired. Like, I don't know if he can do that for five rounds, but going in between the first and second, I he looked so zen, so calm just what an awesome addition to the UFC this guy is. He's so unorthodox, so kooky, has such an entertaining but dangerous fight style that works against high-level guys. Like, you'd think if you keep your hands that low and walk forward non-stop between Vulcan Uzdemir and Dominic Reyes, someone is going to land a pretty good hard shot. Maybe Uzdemir, like, wobbled him for a second but I, I remember one shot from reyes catching my attention that fight and so but to walk forward against a guy like that just wow what an awesome fight i was saying to oh before we started recording i'm definitely putting that knockout down in our highlights of the year so i'm sure it's not the last time i talk about it this 2021. i am really curious what the trajectory of dominic Reyes's fight are so going to look like from now on because as I said I wasn't super high on the guy going into the John Jones fight I thought Jones was going to tool him and then Reyes took three rounds off Jones in my opinion and then now he's looked like absolutely nothing special whatsoever against uh Jan Blachowicz and Yuri Pro- Prohaska so maybe he just that Eastern European style too much for him. That's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but maybe just those are two of the best light heavyweights in the world that there's absolutely no shame in losing to. I am really interested to see where he goes from here. For Yiri, I've said before this that uh, I feel like the three hottest prospects in light heavyweight are Yiri, Alexander Rakic, and uh, Magomed and Kalayev, I still feel like that's true, but I feel like this win for sure puts Yuri ahead of those other two. So I would love to see Yuri fight one of the two of them for the next title shot after Glover gets his shot at Jan. I think that's the way to go. I Before this, I could have said like, whichever two of the three of them fight, like give the next title shot to, With Yuri having just fought, obviously he needs a bit of time to rest up. And I don't think Jan and Glover fight until September. So probably the next light heavyweight title defense after that might be like February. So as long as they can get one or two matchups between those three in by, I guess, October latest, maybe November latest. I think that's good, but right now, the light heavyweight division is roaring with the two old men going at it for the title this September and some fantastic prospects rearing for their chance next um, with Yuri Prokoska leading the way after that fantastic performance and phenomenal finish. That'll wrap up this combat corner we'll be right back after a short break. And we're back. We got a bit of baseball and I think some more positive news about the Jays than we've had any segment thus far in their season.
0: Yeah, the Jays with a great weekend, getting a sweep of the Atlanta Braves and now jumping two games above 500 on the season, only a game and a half back of the Boston Red Sox for first in the American League East. Uh, So a great weekend to gain some ground and a big part of that was the arrival of the Blue Jays bats. Um, They scored more than five runs in each of the games. They had 13 in the first one, uh, seven today, and just, it seemed like everyone was contributing. Uh, Big, big part of that, of course, is George Springer's back and he didn't have the best debut, uh, but in the second game, or in the first game of the series, he gets his first hit, And then the second game of the series he launched two absolute bombs the second one traveling an estimated 470 feet um and that is what george springer can provide at the leadoff spot um he did clutch at his quad a bit in the second game running to beat an uh throw to first base and actually got pulled out of the game today for leg fatigue so maybe not seriously injured uh you know he's probably playing through a bit of the injury uh, but the leg fatigue mostly because he hadn't been playing full-time games in a while and played three games in a row so they took him out as a as a precaution but he looked pretty solid at the plate uh in his debut at the Jays the other really big thing that they got offensively was just a lot more production from the catchers in the first game of this series Alejandro Kirk hit two home runs in the game which they really hadn't been getting and then finally Danny Jansen who uh Buck and, and Pat were uh, mocking on the on, or talking about on the broadcast today they were saying uh, each pitcher looks like an ace you always enter the count oh and two uh, the ball looks like an aspirin when uh, Danny Jensen of course was 0 for 35 streak right now at the plate and got two hits today seems like it took a huge load off of his back and Uh, That was really, really important for them to get some offense out of the catcher position. And it just makes the rest of the lineup that more dangerous because you have no one to pitch to really uh, as you go one through nine. Uh, Pitching has been really really impressive continually uh great outings today out of the bullpen really tightening things up after stripling went four and two-thirds gave up two runs uh we had six and two-thirds from robbie ray in the first game because he had quite a big lead so he's able to pitch deeper into the game uh with robbie ray he's been just using that electric fastball more he has great movement on it he's just been dinged a couple times with homers and and has been in and out of control issues so uh, he's been using it more, staying more in thirds of the plate rather than trying to nibble on the corners and letting the movement do the work for him. And it's been really effective. Um, and then I guess the last thing I want to touch on from the weekend that was awesome was Randall Grichuk. man. Uh, he had so many clutch hits last year for the Blue Jays, quite a few walk-off hits. And he gets one on, uh, on Saturday night in the bottom of the 10th walk-off single up the middle. They intentionally walk Kevin Vigio after going 3-1 down in the count to him, and and that just is a little bit of disrespect to Grichuk, and he makes him pay, and really happy for the guy. He has really, over the last few seasons, bought into a new approach at the plate. He's a more complete hitter. Uh, he's not trying to pull everything and hit home runs. He's really spraying the ball all over the place, and he's been on quite a hot streak over the last 10 games. So really happened for him, and hopefully the Jays can keep the momentum going. Uh, as as they play Houston and uh, Oakland on this upcoming week. We're going to transition into basketball now uh, and start with the game that happened today, a marquee matchup between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. And wow, we saw quite a performance from the two top stars uh, on, on each team. Giannis puts up 49 and Kevin Durant responds with 42. Uh, both were going back and forth uh, a lot of iso ball down the stretch with Giannis making some moves on Blake Griffin who was the guy they had defending him for a lot of the game and and Katie was just putting up buckets on whoever was guarding him because he's a seven footer that can shoot the lights out um, and it's really hard to stop that Uh saw some iso ball from Kyrie Irving as well but really really interesting um, the Bucks got in addition to Giannis's 49, also got great contribution from Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And that's their big three, right? This is what they've invested in. And, and these will be the guys who are going head-to-head with the Nets come playoff time. And so this was a really, really cool preview. Obviously, the Nets still missing James Harden, uh, but we got a little bit of a sneak peek into what a potential playoff series could look like. And it seems like the Bucks are built to put up a little bit more of the fight and and are built a little bit more for this slower half-court basketball which is nice to see and um it's it would be an awesome series if if they got together so cool game today to witness you still have the Nets? yeah i just think over a seven game series KD, Kyrie, and james harden are more unstoppable and cre- can create more um than the big three of the bucks but it definitely is a series that would go six or seven uh yeah really really awesome stuff Another East team I wanted to touch on was the Washington Wizards. They win against the Cavs. And then on the second night of the back-to-back lose on a late three-pointer by Dorian Finney-Smith uh, and lose to the Mavericks. But they are only a game and a half back of the Indiana Pacers now for the nine seed. So not only are they starting to move away from the Raptors and the Bulls uh, just to get into the play-in tournament, they have their sights set on maybe a higher seed even. And uh a big thing coming up is tomorrow night Pacers Wizards, they play and, and that'll have big ramifications for who may end up getting that home game uh, in the first playing game to see who will play the loser of the seven and eight seed. Uh, speaking of the seven and eight seeds, the Charlotte Hornets are in that mix and they got rookie phenom LaMelo ball back this weekend he returns with just the most absurd full court underhand pass I don't know if you saw that one just no. ridiculous stuff uh, and then he blocks a corner three-pointer attempt and just a nice little touch pass in transition 11.7 rebounds eight assists <laughs> not a bad stat line in your return and I picked up in fantasy in one of my leagues for this final week of the season. Uh, I think I'm into the championship round in one of my leagues. So uh, nice to have LaMelo back. I guess before I move into the West, uh, talk about a couple more teams. Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics dropped 60 points uh, on Friday night. Had had the classic picture of the paper with the Sharpie writing the number that he hit. Phenomenal performance from him. Uh, And then I really love Ken Birch, Birchman. The stuff he's been given to the Raptors have been has been just such a breath of fresh air. Hitting floaters, being active on both sides of the ball, like really was giving Rudy Gobert a hard time in the first half. And it seems like he relishes matchups against some of the the top bigs in the league because he wants to prove himself. And yeah, just loving it. And if the fact that he's a Canadian makes it even more special. Uh, but the story is again. Um, the Raptors put up a great fight against a depleted jazz team without Conley and Mitchell, and and they falter and sputter down the stretch in the fourth quarter, just another fourth quarter in a long string this season where they have stagnated, have been unable to create easy offense. And I just don't know if they have a guy who you could go to, um, like a wing who can get a shot up over anyone uh, with their size, with their... Ball handling with their creativity because it just doesn't seem like Pascal's that guy, and maybe OG will be that guy. Who knows? He's shown flashes of it, Um, but if it's not Lowry or Van Vleet creating, it's tough for them because they're just too small to really get a, a shot against like the top top defenders in the league.
1: I'll rag a little on OG for the first time on this podcast. The the biggest hole in his offense is i don't know if this is just a league read on him but like how much he uses his body Mm -hmm. i feel like every time he has the ball and looks to create his own offense he almost always ends up drawing an offensive foul so like i wouldn't be shocked if some guys are flopping a little on him as soon as they see him go down but it's if he wants to become that guy who can you trust with the ball in the last three, four minutes, because I think he has the shot. If you leave him, he has the finish. If he can get there, he has the passing to take advantage of a double team, but uh, he does have to figure out how to not get offensive fouls drawn against him before he can be that guy. Yeah. One of the reasons why he's such a great
0: defender is he is built a little bit like a football player (laughs) and uh, that can obviously have its ups and downs in the flow of a game. (laughs)
1: Or he just needs like LeBron status where refs aren't going to call that against him.
0: And that that takes many, many years of high, high production. I'm glad you brought up LeBron. He returns to the Lakers and plays 32 minutes uh, in his return against Sacramento Kings. So it doesn't really look like there's much of a minutes restriction there. Um, They lose in that game, but he's got to get back in his rhythm and Anthony Davis and him both have about 10 games left in the season to really catch momentum going into the playoffs and as it stands right now they are the sixth seed as the Dallas Mavericks uh, jumped ahead of them last night in the standings so uh that sets up as of right now an LA LA first round playoff series which Oh my God, (laughs) I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because we were deprived of it last season and that's that's what everyone wants to see. It would just be an unbelievable first-round matchup. Uh, And I don't think either team wants to see each other this early because Lakers still trying to find the groove and the Clippers, that is your worst-case scenario as a first-round opponent.
1: Nuggets might be.
0: Yeah, (laughs) but... Again, you're, wow, you're transitioning me into all the teams I want to talk about. The Nuggets, man, nine and one since Jamal Murray has gone down with the injury. Um, And the biggest part of that, besides obviously Nikola Jokic, the runaway MVP at this point, it feels like, is Michael Porter Jr., who puts up 25 points against the Los Angeles Clippers last night in a win that they got down the stretch. And this kid is incredible. Um, He was the top rated prospect coming out of high school and then of course the back issues the injuries had a lot of teams jump off of him he fell in the draft and the nuggets score a six ten monster who rebounds the heck out of the ball he shoots the heck out of the ball from all levels makes high degree difficulty shots look easy like just so so special of a player and he looks like he could be the number one guy on a team in the future maybe not now but really really incredible what he's done and the efficiency numbers have gone up uh he's had a couple high 30 point performances and and yeah he's a supernova man so so fun to watch him play
1: so are you putting the ceiling at kd
0: i don't see why not because he has the offensive tools really and you worry about the injuries, but like if it's it's a similar height at least, right? Like both six, 10, 7 foot guys who can shoot with such a high release point that it's basically unblockable. Uh, and when they decide to attack, they've got that length to really create problems. I think KD's a little bit more just like his his Instagram his Twitter handle Easy Money Sniper. Like he's just a sniper through and through I don't know if there's ever going to be a seven footer who can shoot it like he can. Uh but Michael Porter Jr is pretty close and and it feels like he's got quite quite the ceiling on him. So wouldn't be surprised if he's a all NBA type guy in in a couple of years from now. The last team I want to talk about and we've talked about them almost every pod for the last 2 weeks is the Phoenix Suns. Um and they take care of business in their matchup against the Utah Jazz. Obviously, this was pegged as a 1-2 matchup in the West, really, really important for who's going to get that one seed. Uh, but the Jazz without Mitchell and Conley, so not as indicative of what a playoff series would look like. But the Suns take care of business and win a really important game. And they now are playing right now against the Oklahoma City Thunder, a game that they should win because Oklahoma City is determined to lose every game for the rest of the season. And if they do that, they are in the one seed and have a half game lead over the Jazz. And um, I don't know if Utah was trying to back into that two seed, maybe to avoid a second round matchup with the Lakers because the Lakers were four or five seed. And and if they win that series, they play most likely the one seed in that side of the bracket. Um, so whoever holds the one seed, you don't want to see the Lakers in the second round. But now that the Lakers have fallen into the six seed, Uh, they would be the playing, if they won their series, they'd be playing the winner of 2-7. And so uh, if you're the two seed now, you are looking at a a second round Lakers matchup. So I I doubt there's too much of the uh, round fixing because either way, like you don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers. So the Jazz and Suns, you basically just have to play it out and get that one seed. So you have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. And maybe by the third round, you actually have fans in the building and it'll mean something. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, for all you know, LeBron or AD re-aggravate themselves and suddenly it's like one of the easiest matchups in the playoffs. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it stands right now in the NBA, still so much in like in flux, Uh, really hard to nail down what the final matchups will look like, Um, because two weeks ago, it seemed like we had them all nailed in and and things keep changing. Pretty sure we have our 10 teams, but where they will end up being is still a huge, huge mystery. And I'm just so excited to see where things are going to end up. All righty, we're going to take one last break. And I'm going to come back and talk to you guys a little bit about the NFL draft, which happened this weekend.
1: And we're back and going to do a little time traveling to about three hours after our last pod ended when the, I imagine the first round of the NFL draft ended for a little bit of recap and analysis from O.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, I nailed it. I, (laughs) I mean, we are all pretty certain Trevor Lawrence was going to the Jags, but uh, there was a small part of me when I said it on the pod (laughs) at the end of that one, that maybe he wasn't actually going to go, but he goes. uh, And the jets predictably take Zach Wilson at the number two pick. And then after that, everything changed and uh, the 49ers who many had pegged Mac Jones there for weeks and weeks now seemed almost like a sure thing. They go ahead and they take Trey Lance. Uh, instead, a quarterback who many believe has the higher upside in terms of physical tools and play recognition and recall, and and they the university that he went to works with more pro level offenses. Um, and when you've got a quarterback whisperer like Kyle Shanahan, then you feel um, more comfortable taking a higher risk but higher reward uh, pick on a guy that really could be the face of this team now for. The next decade um so really interesting pick there the carolina panthers and the denver broncos at eight and nine were two teams that i thought were going to be in on quarterbacks and uh neither of them go that way they take corners jc horn and uh patrick certain um both could end up being huge uh misses and huge regrets as the Chicago Bears trade up to number 11 and take Justin Fields, um, a guy that I was hoping that the Broncos would get, and he was available at number nine, and and a guy who really showed out for Ohio State. Obviously, you can never be sure with a quarterback, but um, I thought he was a really special player, and uh, they instead decide to go with a corner, and uh, I guess they might be in on the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, who knows, but uh, Chicago trades up. They trade their first from this year and next year. uh, And then they trade a fourth round pick from next year and a fifth round pick from this year in order to get Justin Fields. And he is going to be their guy of the future. Um, Andy Dalton. I, I just, I felt so bad for bears fans when that was their big free agent signing. Uh, They also still have a ton of money to Nick Foles, but they got a rookie QB who uh, has lots of potential and, Bears fans like right now is the best time because you can be excited and not have anything to like really see and break down yet it's all hope and optimism and so uh, excited for the Chicago Bears and I'm excited to see what this this young man can do for that team because a lot of voodoo on that franchise surrounding the quarterback position and, and maybe he'll be the one to finally break through and, and be a productive player another trade-up that we saw was Philadelphia Eagles moving up to 10 Uh, to get Devontae Smith the Heisman winner at the wide receiver position Uh, Dallas saw that the two cornerbacks went right before that was the position that they wanted to take Uh, so they decided to trade down with a division rival which you don't see often Uh, but the Eagles get Devontae Smith which adds a really really fun exciting weapon for Jalen Hurts next season and um, the Cowboys, I don't know if that's the team you want to trade with because now that Devontae Smith guy is in your division, you got to see him twice a year. Uh, and he's an absolutely electric player. So that could back come back and bite them. Uh, other noteworthy picks, the New England Patriots get their quarterback. And based on the type, uh, the slightly out of shape looking white quarterback, uh, Mac Jones taken number 15 by New England. I'm sure he'll be the next 20 year great, and and I'm sure they'll be disappointed if they only win three Super Bowls with this guy. But uh, Patriots fans are over the mood. They did not have to trade up. Um, they did not trade down, and they just stayed stood Pat, and they got Mac Jones, and he is going to be their guy. Um, unsure again. Right now is just the stage where you have hope and optimism. And for the rest of the league, including myself, it is pain and misery that somehow the Patriots did not give up anything and they get one of the guys they want. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of what the NFL deserves if they let a quarterback fall to New England f 15. And it just looks like the uh, what is it? The Death Star continues on in its uh, evil empire march. The Pittsburgh Steelers predictably uh, draft Najee Harris with their first round pick he's a standout running back uh, from Alabama he's going to add some some great athleticism and and playmaking to their offense. Running backs are a position that typically you don't want to spend a first round pick on just based on value, Um, but this is the piece that they felt like they were missing in their offense and they go and get one. which means the Jacksonville Jaguars with the next pick are going, oh crap, the running backs are going off the board. So they select Travis Etienne, uh, who was Trevor Lawrence's running mate in the backfield at Clemson this year. So they are both reunited in Jacksonville, which is pretty cool for them. And uh, that might help smooth the transition for both of them getting to learn the offense that they already know each other's tendencies and will be working together straight out of college. Uh, So that was a, that was a cool pick that they made there. Uh, and then I guess the last thing I want to talk about is also Tom Brady related the Tampa Bay Buccaneers call Tom Brady, let him know. and in the second round uh with the last pick in the second round they select quarterback Tr- Kyle Trask out of Florida um Trask had a great season and this kid now has the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm sure he's around our age max uh and grew up obviously like you just, You and i like tom brady is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen and you just grow up watching him have this success and now you're gonna be the backup for this greatest quarterback of all time get to learn everything from him like it is just it is such a unique and special opportunity um and hopefully kyle can make the most of it uh and tampa bay bucks fans obviously you have your quarterback. So maybe you'd want your team to draft defensive guys or other like offensive weapons for Brady to use and continue the win now window. But if Brady can impart some of this knowledge, then you've got another quarterback to roll right into in a couple of years when Brady finally retires. (laughs) So there you have it. Obviously, there's some other winner in the suits and losers from the second and third rounds, but I'm just not Big enough of an NFL draft nut to really break things down for you. I did my best to give you some takeaways from the first round. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do that, do it for this podcast, Uh, a little bit of a shorter one, but we really cranked through everything we wanted to talk about. It was efficient on our part. Um, Yeah, I'm, we're both into the work. And uh, if you're at this part of the podcast, then you are a, true fan, true supporter, and we appreciate you for staying with us. We're going to do our best to keep things rolling and continue to bring a different angle of analysis um, than you might normally see.
1: Remember pro- proletariat, it's the bourgeois just trying to extract every ounce of labor out of you. Sports Next Door signing out. <clears throat>